may be seated. Spirit divine, illumine me. One of the songs that the praise team sang this morning, I, I love, and one of the lines in it tied in with the sermon as well this morning. It says this, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without border. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without border. I don't know what that says to you, but I think it's a deep thought. If you weren't here last week, I'm not going to go back and share the whole sermon, but I am a couple of things. I did speak about the Holy Spirit, and I had used the text from Isaiah 63. Isaiah, people had been in exile, and, and God spoke to him and said, You have grieved my Holy Spirit. You've grieved me. So I used that text, and I also pulled in a New Testament passage that says the same thing. And so we talked about the relationship that we can have with the Holy Spirit. That said, I wanted to continue that today. You can have a relationship with God the Father, God the Son. You can also have a relationship with God the Holy Spirit. Everything that they do is one. One speaks, the other two are in full agreement. But we can have a relationship with all three. I want to continue that today. The title of the sermon is Communion with Communion make more sense as we go along, but I want you to go ahead and think about that. When I prayed, I was praying, well, God, help us to have communion when we have communion. The story is told, and it's, it is a true story, but it's a story that was told of a man who glanced at the obituary. He was reading his paper, and he was looking at the obituary, and uh, he was in there. He looked, and there was his name in the obituary that he had deceased. Well, he first kind of laughed and chuckled at it. Then he started getting phone calls from friends and acquaintances with sympathy and, you know, we're sorry. No, it's me. I'm alive. This is no, I'm. Then he got a little irritated because he kept getting the phone calls, but he was mad at the newspaper for printing it, and it was false information. So he called the editor of the newspaper and complained and griped. Hey, you put my name in here that I've deceased in the obituary column, but this is me. I'm alive. He editor could tell he was pretty upset and he was apologetic said, sir we'll i tell you what we'll do we'll make it right he said what i'll do is then tomorrow we'll retract it but we'll put your name in the birth column now as funny as that may sound there's really a deep spiritual parallel there parable Open up by sharing with you and reminding you of John, the third chapter. You remember this scene, a Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus. Came up to address Jesus and said, Rabboni, Rabboni, I know that you are of God because no one could do all that you do, all the miracles, unless God was with him. So he paid him a compliment, and then Jesus made this statement in John 3, right after being complimented that I know, Rabbi, you're of God. He looked at Nicodemus and he said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. <laughs> what? I mean, you know, Nicodemus, you don't know what's running through his mind, but he's, he's thought about that because he heard him say, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And so he just asked a logical question. You mean that when you're old, you have to come back? I mean, are you saying that... a person has to 
go back into his mother's womb? That's what he asked him, this Pharisee. So, so you got to go back in your mother's womb and be born again? Is that what you're talking about? And Jesus went on to explain. He said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and of the Spirit, it's capital S, the Holy Spirit, cannot enter the kingdom of God. Jesus went on to say that that which is flesh is flesh. He's just still having a conversation with Nicodemus. Nicodemus, that which is born of flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the Spirit, capital S, is spirit. When Jesus described the wind, he said that the wind blows where it wishes, and you can't tell where it's coming from. You can see the effects of it, but you don't know where it comes from, where it's going, the wind, but Jesus said, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. If we're told this and we're given this information from Jesus to Nicodemus that you must be born again of the Spirit and without that you will not see the kingdom of God, then the Holy Spirit must be pretty important. In fact, we know on this side of the New Testament that none of us came to Jesus lest the Holy Spirit drew us. He had everything to do with the work that's on the inside of us the fact that the Spirit of God would even come and dwell in people like us. But He does. Unless one is born of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Last week as I shared about the relationship with the Holy Spirit, I remind you of that. I quoted from Isaiah 63, but also this passage in Ephesians 4.30. Ephesians 4.30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So with that information, we know that we can grieve the Spirit of God. Just hear me on this. There's other passages that talk about not only can we grieve Him, it also says that we can quench the Holy Spirit. That's a symbol of fire and tossing water on Him. So we can quench the Spirit of God. We know throughout the Scriptures that it's possible for us to insult Him we do not accept truth. We insult Him because He's the Spirit of truth. We also know that we can resist Him. We can resist the Spirit of God. Throughout the Bible, it is clear that the Holy Spirit is God. The Bible describes many emotions and many acts, listening and counseling with people. So we know because of the, it describes emotions and acts that the Holy Spirit has and does, which are characteristic of a person. He's not an it. The Bible refers to him in the personal pronoun. Billy Graham wrote a book on the Holy Spirit. Billy Graham said this. He said that the Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force. He's not an impersonal force like gravity or magnetism. We know magnetism can push and pull, and we don't see it, but we affects. But he's not an impersonal force. My wife's birthday was Friday. She's glad that I'm pointing that out. She's as old as I am now. Her birthday's May the 4th. And I don't know who came up with May the 4th be with you. I mean, they say that. You see that on the May the 4th be with you. The Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force. He's a person. He's part of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son. say that the Holy Spirit is a person with all the attributes of personality. But not only is He a person, He is divine as well. 
can see that in Jesus Christ. We know that Jesus became a human being, the incarnation of God. He was fully God, but yet he was divine, but yet he was human. The Holy Spirit is a person, but yet he's divine as well. Also from last week, I shared with you John 20 and 22. This reminds you that Jesus appeared to the people for 40 days before he ascended. I'm going to miss that. I'm going to miss that same last Wednesday. But before he ascended, he dwelt among people for 40 days. And so in John, the 20th chapter, he appeared before his disciples. And I share with you that he was close enough that he, the Bible says that he breathed on them. I think it's interesting that he put that in there. I think he wanted us to know that he was that close. He, he breathed. breathed on them and he said to them receive the Holy Spirit so he wanted he wanted that to happen for them he wanted them to receive God's Spirit he wanted them to know the third person of the Trinity I want to go back and share with you and remind you that in John the 14th 15th chapter John 16 John 17 Jesus gives us some of the most intimate details about who the Holy Spirit is I'm just going to read a couple of them so this is in John 14 Look at verses 16 and 17. And Jesus said, I pray the Father that he will give you another helper. Your Bible may translate it comforter. I'm going to pray to the Father so you see the Trinity at work here in agreement. Jesus said, I'm praying to the Father that he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, he calls him. So now we have some information about the Holy Spirit. He's going to abide with us forever. Plus, Jesus said he is the Spirit of truth. So when you receive revelatory knowledge of who God is, the Spirit of truth revealed that to you. Whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him. You know him, church. He dwells with you and he will be in you. We get some insight about who he is. And then Jesus in John, the 16th chapter, Verse 13 and 15. However, when he, the spirit of truth, he calls him the spirit of truth again, has come, he's going to guide you in all truth. That's the reason you need to have conversations with the Holy Spirit every now and then. Holy Spirit, help me to understand your word because if you're the spirit of truth, then I need you to speak to me. I don't want to grieve you. I don't want to quench you. I want you to reveal to me truth. And so he says, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you in all truth. He will not speak of his own authority but whatever he hears he will speak he will tell you of things to come and he will glorify me and he will take of what is mine and he will declare it to you so again we see some of the work of the person of the helper the comforter that he's going to tell us of things to come that's why I could tell you that tomorrow we're going to celebrate the life of Sarah Denson Sarah Denson believed the truth she knew who the Holy Spirit was so he told her of things that were to come. That's why even though we may have a tear, we may sorrow that we lose a loved one, but at every one of my grandparents, I preached three of my grandparents' funerals. I preached my cousin Jan. I've, I've buried several of my aunts and uncles, and in all of them, I said, we will see them again. Now, why know that? Because he's revealed to me truth that is in God's Word, that this is not all there is. We're going to go home one Jesus said, you must be born again. Unless you're born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. That which is flesh is flesh, but that which
which is spirit, is spirit. So we need to know that information. He's going to teach you things to come. And then Jesus said he'll do everything to glorify me. It's interesting that there they are, the Trinity, but then Jesus is praying to the Father to send the Helper, but then Jesus is telling you and I that everything that the Spirit of God does around you will be to glorify Jesus. He speaks to us. That's why we fall in love with Christ. That's why communion makes sense to us. It's just, more, it's just not red. It's just not red juice. It's God saying, I want fellowship with you. I want relationship with you. But the Spirit of God reveals that truth to us. Another scripture I want to share with you it was the words of grace. By the way, now I'm going to start my sermon. That was just from last week. No, I want you to receive all of that. But what I shared with you earlier in the words of grace were the last, the last sentence, the last statement in 2 Corinthians. It's a benediction. You've probably heard a pastor say it. So 2 Corinthians 13, 14. I read it earlier, but hear it again. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you and the love of God, that's Son and Father, and the communion. That word communion is not usually used in connection very often with the Holy Spirit, but here it is as a benediction. So he prays to the people at Corinth and he ends with this benediction. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. The love of God be with you. And the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. There is nothing that God is that the Holy Spirit is one. The word communion is a sharing and exchanging of an intimate thoughts and feelings, especially when the exchange is on a spiritual level. The Greek word koinonia, you've probably heard that. Sometimes there are churches called the koinonia fellowship, which the word translated can also mean fellowship. But I like the word communion. Communion and fellowship. Joint partnership. The share which one has in anything, a gift jointly contributed. So koinonia, communion, is a bond of united purpose. So may the love of God be with you. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. And may the communion, the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. That's what he was saying. Is it possible that the act of communion, this is a question I want to ask you, you don't have to jump up and shout. It's a rhetorical question. You already know the answer to it. Is it possible that the act of communion, the Last Supper, as we call it sometimes, can it only become a ritual? Is that possible that it just, ah, oh yeah, we're having, oh, we're having communion again. It's first Sunday. Can it become just a ritual? And the answer is yes, it can. In fact, all of the forms of worship in the Old Testament, one thing I've learned in studying Isaiah again is that the work, Worship and all the sacrifices which God ordained. God put many of them in place, the acts of worship and sacrifice, but they became nothing more than just a boring ritual, oftentimes to the people. Because you see, it wasn't about the worship and it wasn't about the sacrifices and going through the, it was about God wanting relationship. That hadn't changed. You see, it's ironic that every church around here, we all think we've got. We've got it figured out on worship, that God likes our worship better than anybody else's. See, people in this church, you believe that this worship service, God likes a whole lot better than he likes the one upstairs. But the ones upstairs that love and praise music, they, they believe that God likes their worship better than this style. 
See how our mind thinks? Don't you know sometimes God's just looking up there and grinning at us and laughing at us? And telling us repeatedly, all I want is you. I don't care if you sing Amazing Grace in the hymn or if you, or if you sing the song that I said a while ago. I just want you. That's what he was trying to tell the people of Israel. I just wanted you, the, the, the worship and the sacrifice and all was just because I wanted your heart. But you let it become just ritual. Don't let it become ritual. David said this more than one way, but this is Psalms 51, 17. He was repenting. He was asking God to forgive him. And this is what he said to God in that act of repentance and penitence. He said in, act, in Psalm 51, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. And then from Isaiah, and there's many other passages, but Isaiah 57, 15. For, for thus says the high and the lofty one who inhabits all of eternity, whose name is holy. And this is God speaking to the people. Here God say this to you. I dwell in the high and the holy place, I dwell, God said, in the high and holy place with him or her who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite people. The contrite people. We don't use that most time in our conversation. I don't usually come up and ask you, hey, you got a contrite heart, Joni? But it's important. This is what God honors. This is what God blesses. So contrite means remorseful. It means repentant. It means regretful. It sometimes means I'm ashamed that I grieved you. So an humble, repentant heart, attitude must accompany you and I as we come to this table. That's why in the liturgy we're going to have a prayer of repentance and forgiveness. So two words that are very important as you come to communion. One is repentance. But don't forget relationships. Because the reason he wants you to repent is so he can have relationship with you. I won't despise a contrite heart. I'll, I'll touch that, God says. So don't let communion become just a stale ritual. Let me share a story with you from your bishop, Bishop Debbie Wallace Patty. Two weeks ago, we had a retreat at Camp Sumatonga, and she was there at the retreat, and she preached the last night, and we had communion. So a bunch of preachers were there. In fact, after we had communion, Sam and I, Sam Hayes and Andy Arnell, we took communion together, and we prayed for one another. This is a story that she shared. I can't tell it as well as she did, but you'll, you'll get the meaning of it. Our bishop, Dad, was a local pastor growing up all her life. He had not gone to seminary, was not a fully ordained pastor, but he was licensed as a local full-time pastor. She grew up in that home. Her dad is, is getting sick. He's ill. She went to see him. may have been a couple of months ago. It might have been around Christmas. But, and she went to see her daddy up in Kentucky. And uh, they talked for a while, and he's getting feeble. And she said, Daddy, do you want to have communion together? And he perked up. So she said, well, Daddy, I brought some grape juice. I'm going to go in the kitchen, and I'm going to get just some loaf bread or some crackers. And he said, no, no, no. He said, 
he, he sent her into the bedroom and wanted to open a drawer that he had his old communion kit. Most of us pastors have a communion kit. We take the shut-ins and so forth. And he told her to go get the wafers that were in that kit. And as she went to get it, she was thinking, I wonder how long those have been in there. But she looked, and there was still a sealed container. And so she thought, well, they'll be fine. So she opened them up. And she went in, and she reached up and gave one to her dad. And he began to take it, and tears began to run down his eyes as he chewed on that wafer. She took the cup and got it up to his mouth and poured it in. And she said it had been a while since he's had communion. He was just enjoying having communion while he was having communion. She said, so I reached and I got the wafer. And I bit into it. And I, she said it was really stale. It was bad. But it didn't bother daddy at all. It didn't bother. He didn't even think about it. She said, so I went ahead and I took the cup. She said, the Lord spoke to me and reminded me, Daddy, don't let communion become stale. I want to invite you today to come and have communion with me. She said, we don't need to miss communion when we're having communion. Let's pray together. God, we love you today and praise you. What you have done My lack of being able to explain it, Holy Spirit, you are the spirit of truth, so speak to our hearts right now of what you've said in your word. So bless this time, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. If you will take your hymn book, we will share in the liturgy, and it's on page 12 at the very front of your hymn book, page 12 and page 13, and begin reading there the invitation and then we will respond together with the confession and pardon prayer. Remind you that if you're visiting with us today in the United Methodist Church we have open communion. You do not have to be a member of our church. If you want to come and have communion while you're having communion then we invite you to come. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him and who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore let us confess our sins before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will, and we have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love, and we have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners, and that proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. together there on the great thanksgiving on page 13. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right. 
and it is a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of power and might. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, his death, and his resurrection, you gave birth to your church. You delivered us from slavery to sin and death and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread. He gave thanks to you. He broke the bread and gave it to his disciples and he said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup. He gave thanks to you. He gave it to the disciples and he said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, by your Holy Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ come in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, and with the Holy Spirit and your Holy Church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. I'll invite those who are helping me serve and the ushers, if you'll come ahead and kneel. And Jason and Christy and Lana are going to help serve and ushers, if you'll come ahead and make your way and Again, if you're visiting with us, the ushers will help direct you and guide you in just a moment. Y'all will come and you may go ahead and kneel. Bless now, and we might have communion. Thank you for taking it. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
joy of the Lord is with you. His grace is upon you. Thank you, God, for allowing us to share in him. In Jesus' name, Almighty God, thank you so much. We praise you. Thank you that as we repent, it is that we might have relationship. Go forth from here knowing you have relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Spirit, thank you for making it possible that we might glorify the Father and glorify the Son. 
go forth from here in relationship with the living God. In Jesus' name, amen. forth from here in the love of God, knowing that He has made it possible that you and I can have a relationship with Him every day and for eternity. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Almighty God, thank you that everything that you've done for us has been because you want relationship with us. Thank you that we can have communion as we have communion. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
these last few are coming, is there anyone that would need to serve in the pew would be glad to serve you there? Anyone? from here in the love and the grace and the fellowship and the communion of the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name.